Welcome back to Box to Box. It's episode 36, and today I am joined by Amir. How are you today? I'm very good, Alex. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, it's very good to have you here. And today, you know, we were uh, like, I was just thinking about what we were going to talk about. Like, bo- we're both Arsenal fans, which is good. I don't. Th- I think we we only had a uh, uh, special guest in Timsey, and that was like a whole Arsenal thing. And we'll talk about them uh, in a bit. But breaking news today happened, and it is abs- probably the biggest news I've heard in a very, very long time, maybe ever, um, to such a high degree, and that's Manchester City banned from UEFA club competitions, so that's Champions League and Europa League, for two seasons for, quote, serious breaches, unquote, of financial rules, and that all, and they got a 30 million euro uh, fine as uh, so that's uh, 25 million pounds uh, equivalent so that also so that would mean that now the fifth place team this season that finishes in fifth will be a Champions League team and right now it's Sheffield I mean no one would have guessed that this season so in your opinion like I, I'm still in shock because I, I, I never thought this would happen so in terms of who do you think would finish in fourth, well, fifth in this case, and make that final Champions League spot? And do you think this is going to affect Manchester City long-term after the band's even, like, uh, uplifted? So my question is, when I see a headline like that, how is this a permanent ban, or does Man City have the ability to appeal? So they actually did appeal. Okay. Um, it, but it looks unlikely that it will be uh, changed. Uh, but it, I think, I don't know if it means two seasons, as in the rest of this season and next season, or if it's till 2022, which I think that's what it is. Um, so, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I always feel like this these kind of clubs where they have a lot of money, they have always found a way to appeal and win the case. And so that was my first reaction when I saw that. Obviously, it's a huge deal for Man City not participating because I'm sure there is also a monetary impact when you don't make it to Champions League. So it is going to be very interesting to see how it will play out over the next two years. Uh, With that said... I feel like if you were to look at clubs that have built their teams properly, doing the right recruiting, developing their younger kids, Man City, Liverpool, and even, I don't want to admit it, Tottenham to some degree have been those clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at a team like Manchester United, which the approach has been, let's go buy expensive players, somehow try to build chemistry, and then participate and ho- hopefully win the league and obviously we've seen that has not played out yeah but you are in a league that is so competitive that immediate results are absolutely important and that's why you keep seeing crazy manager firings yeah it happens too often yeah I, I like for me again i don't want to admit this but pochettino is probably one of the best yeah. coaches in premier league and you have him let go, to me, it's, I just don't understand that. Yeah, me neither. But you have this also this relegation battle, right? 
that doesn't exist in other sports, especially in U.S. where we don't have such a thing as relegation. So as a coach, you don't have the ability to come in and put the right team, right process that may take years. It might not take a few games um, in place. Now, the impact on Manchester City, um, the question becomes, does Pep, based on this, decide to leave? And that, I think, is, to the me, a big thing. question. And if he doesn't, if he does go, it could have other impact. But again, it's a club with tons of money. They could always bring in another great coach, build a structure around it, keep players. But I, it's definitely not going to be a positive impact. It's probably negative for the short term. For sure. I think that because the re- main main reason, well, there are two reasons uh, why so many of these like high-level players like De Bruyne, Sterling, uh, Bernardo Silva, Laporte recently, and Rodrigo joined because they wanted to play under Pep. But now it looks like there's no way Pep is going to manage a team where he's just going to play for the league title or for the domestic cups. He, that's what he's always, he's always wanted the champions league. And he's only did that with Barcelona. He couldn't do it with Bayern. And this year, the man series against Real Madrid in the round of 16. So that would be interesting to see. I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea what it would be like if they would win it. I mean, how does that affect the next season? But I think the main that one main reason why they join is because they want to play under Pep and because they want to play in the Champions League. So now you, I don't think they have the patience for staying at Man City. I I applaud for whoever would, um, because I don't. I honestly can't see Pep staying for that long. And I, but at the same time, where would he go if you if you were Pep Guardiola right now, and You've managed Barcelona, you've managed Bayern, you managed Man City, basically the three best teams in their specific countries. Where do you think is the best place for you to go to try and win the Champions League? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't see him going back necessarily to Spain. Um, I don't see him going to France, even though you could say, yeah. well, he's never managed a team in in that league, but when you look at PSG and then the rest of the field, you always question how competitive is that league? Not really. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know where he would go. It's a great question. I yeah. don't have an answer for that. My personal belief is that he should stay and compete in the most competitive league in the world, which is the Premier League. And right through at this stay at Man City or go right. to no no stay at Man City okay and uh, compete in this league. Um, that that would be my answer, I uh, because but I have my biases. I always feel yeah. like that is the league that I follow. That's the most competitive. That's the most exciting to watch. And granted, he's won twice, and he's not going to be satisfied with just staying in Premier League and not competing in Champions League. I hundred percent agree that he's. He even said, I think recently, that in the eyes of the owners of the club, if he doesn't win Champions League, he hasn't been a success. So he That's wants true. to win that for Man City. It's very important to him, but. What does that mean if they win this year? What is how does that impact the next two years? I mean, these are all very bizarre. Yeah. Now, I want to now look at that fight for fifth place. So you got Sheffield, who's in fifth, 
uh, I just I, I was just watching the Leicester Wolves game, and I'm actually very happy that uh, Wolves dropped points. They had a very good chance to win. I actually thought they were the better team. Um, Leicester had a red card. Wolves had a few good chances. They just couldn't put it away. VAR. Um, I don't know if you saw, but yeah, the it was a ridiculous call. I, he was offside, but he was coming back on. It was, it was from co- short corner. It wasn't. I I personally didn't like it. So I think Wolves were a bit were kind of robbed of uh, two extra points. Um, and then you got teams like Spurs, who are making a bit of a, a chase, and even Everton. I mean, Everton, uh, like right before Ancelotti was appointed, they were near relegation zone. Now they're in eighth and just three points behind Sheffield. And then you got Man United with 35 and Arsenal with 31, both with a game in hand, as well as Tottenham. So Tottenham can actually jump over Sheffield if they win their next game. Who are they even? They're against Aston Villa, so that's going to be rel- relatively easy, I guess, because the I remember... Uh, they played them the first week, and they but they did struggle, um, but they did win at the end. So, out of these, let's say six teams, I'm I'm throwing Arsenal in there, even though we're pretty far, pretty far down the table. Out of those teams, which team do you think has the best chance? So, if I were to look, you have Liverpool, Man yeah. City, Leicester, and Chelsea are top four, and yeah. then you have Sheffield. Tottenham, Wolves, Everton, Man U, and Arsenal. Yeah, so I was watching the Sheffield United game last week, and um, they ended up winning that game late, I believe. Yeah, it was against, oh, who was it against? I think they were playing... um, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yes. And I like Bournemouth a lot. Um, What they said about Sheffield United was that the remaining 12 games they have are all easy teams. Really? So that is that was an interesting um, um, fact that I did not know. Versus yeah. Bournemouth, actually have a very tough path um, on a going forward basis. Yeah, it, I'm 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 looking at their last games. Um, they have Wolves away. That might be a little tough. They have Leicester, Chelsea, and United. Everyone else near relegation zone. And they also have Everton, which might be a little tough. But they don't have, like, Liverpool. They don't have City. They don't have... Uh, actually, that's it. Um, but uh, they don't have Tottenham. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Yeah? So, uh, go on. So, that could be an interesting outlier. Mm-hmm. Do I think that a team like Tottenham could actually vie for that spot, fifth spot? Sure. Man U have also won certain games that I thought they would not win. Mm-hmm. So, they've actually shown... You know, it's it hasn't been consistent, but they've they've played well. I don't personally right now as an Arsenal fan, I don't even look at that fifth place yeah. or top five or top six. To me, this is going to be a rebuilding year, mm-hmm. and I rather see problems being fixed. Obviously, I want to see wins. I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of draw, draw, draws. draw, draw. Have, I think thirteen draws, which is the yeah. most in the Premier League. Yeah. I would love to see that change, um, but I love to see clean sheets and I love to see better defending and hopefully putting the right pieces. So mm-hmm. to me, I almost. So you're you you think that the main focus should be like 
just like get the structure ready for Arteta next season, uh, first first full season, because this is what I think. And then maybe just try and go all out in the Europa League, maybe because um, who are we against actually? Uh, we're against Olympiacos. It's kind of a tough matchup, but they did get rid of uh, their best player tools over the window. Um, so that'd be interesting to see where we would fi- uh, where we would go in the Europa League. I think that's the only for me personally. That's the only way for us to even think about the Champions League. But to answer your question personally, to see a team like Sheffield United, who's never played in yeah. Europe, to get that fifth spot is exciting. Yeah, I I will root for that. So obviously, the teams that are ahead of us, a lot of them are are rivals, and I don't want to see them win. Right. But a team like Sheffield United, more power to them, and if they can lock down that fifth spot, fantastic. Yeah, they they've conceded the second least amount of goals this season. Chris Wilder, honestly, like Klopp is going to win Manager of the Year. Obviously, they're going to win the league. Um, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm like, but like a couple years ago, I'm just thinking like, if Liverpool win the league, Jordan Henderson's gonna lift the Premier League trophy. But now, like, Jordan Henderson's like one of the best midfielders in the world, and he's just playing out of his mind. Um, but yeah, Sheffield, they've I would have not predicted this. This is it, honestly, if Liverpool didn't have such a historic run of being unbeaten, winning this many games, going for all the records. Uh, with Klopp, Chris Wilder would 100% win manager of the year. Um, and this is, I wouldn't say just as big, but this is like the biggest upset since Leicester, in my opinion, because having a club as small, small, <laughs> Sheff- I, I mixed them up, uh, Sheffield and uh, Sheffield in the in the Champions League, that would be just, just co- really cool to see. I think they'll definitely get a Europa League spot, which is still a fantastic achievement. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely root for them if Arsenal don't. The, the commentators for the Premier League over the weekend, last weekend when Bournemouth was playing Sheffield United, mm-hmm. said that if somebody told us that between th- these two teams, one will be in the fifth spot and one will be in relegation zone, we would have all thought, wow, Bournemouth is going to have an amazing season, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's been really, this. Uh, as I agree with you, this Sheffield United um, emergence and the way they played in the Premier League and played against top teams has been an amazing story. And, you know, and obviously, you know, Leicester is that was that was an amazing story as well. Yeah. But you're also in a in a in a sp- season that's been super competitive. Mm-hmm. Granted Liverpool is running away from it. Yeah. And City and Leicester are then second and third, but the rest of the pack is very I actually found a very interesting stat, and Arsenal is one of four teams still undefeated in, the, in 2020. But obviously, like, I'm pretty sure 90% of those results are draws. And uh, I, th- I believe uh, the, another weird stat is that we have the third least amount of wins in the Premier League. I'm pretty sure the least amount, so the least amount is Norwich and then Watford, and then we have the same amount as West Ham, who are in 18th and Brighton, who are in 15th. Yet, we have the same amount of losses as Manchester City and Leicester, who are in 2nd and 3rd. It's just mind-boggling. Um, but uh, just to move, uh, last part of this uh, this big news. I I don't understand how PSG haven't been caught. Because I feel like they've spent more. Like Because they, they, they were, there were a bunch of rumors where... Uh, 
you can't keep Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani and Di Maria. You got to sell a couple of them. So do you think that UEFA can now bring this something to PS? Because in my in my mind, when I think of what other teams can face this kind of ban, and I just think PSG, like they their resurgence, uh, not really resurgence, but like their buyout with all the like, you know the Arabs and their their buyout of the club. Do you think that this can happen to PSG as well? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If, if there's two teams that you could point fingers at, yeah, it's got to be PSG and Man City, mm-hmm. especially when you brought Neymar and then you got Mbappe from Monaco. Mm-hmm. You just think to yourself, how how are they playing by the rules of financial fair play? And I just don't know. It seems uh, like every season where it says they will they will face a span unless they sell one of these players, but they still haven't, yeah. and nothing's been put onto them. Right, I, that's what I'm saying. It's very, um, I'm very curious to see how this all plays out, but if, if the, there's another team out there <coughs> that can be subject to the same um, rules, it's probably PSG. Yeah, and there are also rumors, uh, it's not official yet, but there they might, uh, Manchester City actually, might potentially get a point deduction uh, I don't believe this year, but potentially next season. Uh, and they haven't uh, specified how many points. Um, but, yeah, that this is one of the craziest news I've heard in football in years. Like, like breaking news. Because, like, you know, like, you've had, like, the big, you know, like, uh, Liverpool winning the Champions League. Leicester winning the Premier League. You got Real Madrid winning La Decima. You got... Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think of like all the historic moments that I've lived through, like uh, uh, Germany beating Brazil seven one. Those are like from games, like from a financial perspective. This is by far the biggest news. Yeah. So, speaking of financial, um, we've had a couple of big January transfers go down really well for teams, such as Holland from Dortmund, and he j- he scored again today. And speaking of another player from Dortmund, Jaden Sancho, it looks very, very likely that he's leaving Dortmund and the yellow wall for the Premier League next season. And there are three teams that come up um, that are going to try and get his rights, and that's Chelsea, Man United, and Liverpool. Out of those three teams, they all have a valid argument Liverpool's Liverpool they're the, already the best team and if they add Sancho that front four that new front four it's just going to be ridiculous now Chelsea's actually Sancho's boyhood club so maybe his like nostalgia might drag him onto there and speaking of Chelsea uh, they just signed Zayek from Ajax he's a fantastic I would have loved him to be the Ozil replacement. I think he would have been perfect because uh, actually he did an interview a couple years back and he said Ozil is my favorite player of all time. He's his idol. Um, I don't disagree with that sentiment. But <laughs> yeah. And uh, lastly, Manchester United. They have the most money. They just they can give him the most wages. So out of those three arguments from each team, for you, which is the best fit for him? Because obviously he's not going to go to Man City. Even before even before this ban, he would have not gone because they had him in, in their youth academy and they didn't give him uh, playing time and he left and now he's thriving. And he would never go back now because <laughs> he wants to play in the Champions League. 
So out of those three teams, Chelsea, United, and Liverpool, which would be, for you, the best fit for him? And which one would do you think is the most exciting for like a neutral to watch? The question is, if you go to Liverpool, do you get playing time? Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to break the transfer record. It's just... How would they? How would he fit with the uh, with Firmino, Mane, and Salah? Like, do you put him in with them, or do you drop one of those three? Because I don't think any of the like they're all world class. So I don't know how you do it. So I think for me, it comes down to Chelsea and Man U, mm-hmm. and the question becomes which one is more desperate to get a player. We know Chelsea has no problem spending money. Mm-hmm. Man U has no problem spending money either, but. And I know this. they said this summer they're going to be spending money. The question is, are they going to go about it in a smart way? Or are they going to just spend money for the sake of spending money? Bringing like something? Harry Maguire. Yes, exactly. So it, it's, it's a hard one to say. The question becomes, do you want to go somewhere where you are part of a built out and you can lift the team from where they are to hopefully the top of the league? Or do you want to go to a team that's already at the top? There's, I mean, Liverpool, I think potentially can break like eight different records this year. Mm-hmm. So you want to be a part of that or you want to be part of a build-out? So it's, for me, that's really a question for the player, mm-hmm. right? What What is it that this player wants to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And personally, I think it's more exciting to be part of a build-out rather than go somewhere that's already at the top. Mm-hmm. You could continue to win, and that's a fantastic thing. I'm not taking that away from anyone, but... I think the exciting is to go somewhere, be part of a build out, and and uh, hopefully, you know, do well there and be recognized for that. The question is, is Manny going to keep Ole Gunnar as their coach? Mm-hmm. I talked to some very passionate Man United fans at work, and you know, they feel like the class of '92 has way too much power and control. Absolutely, and like especially. Get, sorry to interrupt, but. I remember like Giggs talking about like he was criticizing Pogba when he wasn't even there. Like like that that Pogba is a completely different story. But like I feel like they're just they're saying like, Oh, we're the class of nine two, we were just like the best and these guys have to be at our level. I mean that that's kind of like I don't know, I feel like that's too much pride in them. But yep. you were saying No, so the and do you give him the coach ability to build a team properly or my belief is that he is going to be gone by the summer really yeah and i feel like again my personal opinion is that pochettino is going to be the next coach of manchester united and people disagree with that point now sorry uh sorry to interrupt again but i just i saw something really interesting what if i know it's a big if but what if manchester united make the champions league and then Ed Woodward sees that, oh, well, we hit our expectations. We were in the Champions League. We have enough money to buy world-class players. Ole's doing a great job, even though they've been clearly underperforming this year. They have 35 points from 25 matches. And they keep him. And then Pep is like, no, I'm out. I want to leave. And then Man City go out and get Pochettino. I, I know this this is unlikely, but that could actually put a dent because I've been saying this 
like uh, Teresa all the time, and I've been saying Ole is not the right man. They don't have the, uh, they don't have a right style of play. I ha- I've been watching that. Like besides that, like honeymoon period they had last season. Since then, I I don't know what they do. Like even like Arteta, even though we don't have the we don't have the results going our way, you can clearly see what he's doing. And with like Pep, he has the Tiki Taka Liverpool. They pressed and. You know, even Tottenham with Mourinho, he's always had a philosophy. So for, so for Sancho. Sorry, wait, what was I just talking about? So I was talking about um, if Ole Gunnar is going to be right. there and if he's given the opportunity to build a team. So would that make Sancho go somewhere else? I don't know. If I, I, for me, for me, I agree with you. I think it's going to be either Chelsea or. or um, Manchester United because in Sancho's mind he wants to play and it's not guaranteed even though they'll probably splash a cash on him I personally think Chelsea's okay to stay away from him because they don't need they just signed Zayac he's a fantastic player they still have Pulisic they have Kam Hudson-Odoi they have Abraham they have Mason Mount they have a bunch of young guys that are p- performing well this season at his position so I think Manchester United makes sense. However, I don't believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can uh, utilize him correctly. Uh, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the bigger problem at Man United is you don't have a director of footballing. Right. They're not going about building the club the right fashion. Mm-hmm. Talking to a fellow football enthusiast from Manchester was a Manchester United fan and he even said in Manchester it seems like city is becoming the place to go and play even for younger kids versus United I still think United has a significantly bigger brand than city there's no question about it I mean not taking away from their amazing success they have had in Champions League and Premier League so that's that's amazing but I think that's the pressure right because they've won, they've won so many times, they were consistent. There is that expectation. you got to go get the best player, put the right coach in place, and build it properly and win. But everyone would probably agree that if Ole Gunnar was the first coach after Sir Alex Ferguson, that would have been, he would have been fired already, right? Yeah. The results aren't what they are, but people... I don't want to say they're getting used to the results or the, the type of managing, but it's becoming a little bit more acceptable. But I think the, the reality is you have to go build it properly if you want to be able to compete. Honestly, I think the only thing that's keeping me on the job is that he used to be a legend at the club. If he was just like an, some other manager like uh, like David Moyes or like Van Hall, even Mourinho with his stature, I mean, I don't... I, that's that's the only reasonable way, like uh, ex- uh, ex- exception really, because it's it, with Solskjaer right now. It's as bad uh, with him than with when they were uh, when they had Mourinho too last season. So I think that will kind of sway Sancho away. That that's kind of the only reason because they will be able to pay uh, the most wages for him. Um, and I don't think Chelsea would go for... I don't think that he would be their number one priority. I think their defense is. Um, because their midfield's good. You know, Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho, they're, they've been good. 
Mount, and then up top they have Abraham, uh, Hudson Adoy, Pulisic. Um, young players too, but like defense, I think that's where they need to focus on. And obviously Liverpool, like that would just be really unfair. I I know um, uh, Timo Werner, he's being linked to Liverpool, and I think that would actually suit them more because I think what you could do is that you play Werner up top, you keep Mane and Salah at the uh, at the wings, but then you play Firmino more as like a attacking midfielder, sort of like a free roll guy, and then your two midfielders would be Henderson and Wijnaldum or Henderson and uh, Fabinho. I think that would make more sense for Liverpool instead of Sancho because that that would just be another winger to that insane <laughs> lineup. Uh, but yeah, it will be really interesting. I think he's going to be the big name over the summer window, and also. Uh, News came out a few days ago that the Premier League is moving back to September 1st at the end of the window. I think that's a great move in the right direction. I don't Honestly, I don't know why they even changed it in the first place. I think they were trying to just make sure that all the transfers are done before the season begins. Mm-hmm. And then they realized that the rest of Europe is not following that rule. They might as well just go back yeah, to the it, 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 It's even with that, like in VAR, because like every other league, they actually go try and check like the referees check and but like a perfect example is this one with uh, the Wolves Leicester game and they didn't check I I I'm pretty sure they they checked once in the monitor the referees but they just like stand there they just hear from upstairs and then that's it I think they would how they utilize it in the World Cup I think that's how they're supposed to do it because despite them making controversial calls they were the right calls whereas this one they're actually like making like, they actually say after the game week is over, they actually say, oh, we actually made a mistake yeah. for this, like, one thing. I, I have to say, like, when VAR was introduced, I was very um, for it. I was positive. You need me to too. have it. A lot of sports have it. Already, yeah, me right? too. So you need to not let human judgment make certain calls. I know it's exciting and all that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, since we have technology, a lot of sports are utilizing it. I watch a lot of different sports. It's nice to see. But I agree with you. Why aren't you going and checking the monitor to make a decision as the referee on the field whether this the call that you made on the field stands or you need to overturn it? Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why they're not following that. And I know it's the first year and they're going to learn a lot from it and hopefully make certain um, modifications to it. Um, but I, I agree with you. That is really frustrating. When I in, It happened in an Arsenal game, I think, in 2019 season where we scored a goal and they said it was a foul in the box. Oh, uh, the one against, uh, I think it was Crystal Palace. Yeah, and I was like, you looked at it. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> it was a foul on the yeah, Crystal exactly. Palace player. It just is frustrating. Yeah. And uh, obviously when it's against your team, it's frustrating. Um, but it's there and I accept it. And it's the, way, it's the right thing to do. But I do believe that the referees need to check the monitor and make a decision on their own. <coughs> Uh, and going back to the transfer window date, I think this would be good for the Premier League for sure because when the season started, I I understand that like this is your team for the rest of the season, you can't make any more changes, but now it gives them a little more time because honestly, the main reason why the summer window is so much more looked upon than the January transfer window. January transfer window is just one month, and by then. 90% of teams already have already have their like uh, setup in place like they have what they need 
maybe they can focus something uh, like a couple more signings for or uh, selling players even next uh, uh, next window in the summer. And now they've since they moved it, they gave an extra time. Uh, it gives managers and clubs more time to figure out what do they need. And I think for I'm going to transition to Arsenal. I think this really helps for Arteta because now it will be his first full season. And I'm, I just, I honestly can't wait for the season to end. I, this is by far the worst season I've witnessed. (laughs) Probably the same for you as well. I mean, I have to tell you, it builds character Mm -hmm. as a fan because you go and you see what it feels like as a fan to struggle watch your team not even be able to win the games that they should be winning. Um, and even worse, in early part of the season, the lack of passion, lack of accountability um, really was frustrating to watch. It got to a point where I almost, not that I didn't care, but it was like, if you guys don't care on the field, why should I care as a fan? Mm. It almost made me feel that way. And I think Arteta has changed that. Yeah, You do see that passion, sense of urgency, and fighting till the end. And I think the Chelsea game away was a great example of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, um, it's not that I want this season to come to an end. I do want to see continuous improvement. I, I don't care so much where we end up. I mean, if we start yeah. playing really well and start pushing for that fifth spot, sure, it gets exciting, right? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I just want to see improvements game in, game, game out. That's what matters to me right now. And then to your point, next season, let's go ahead and really put the right pieces in place. And I think most of the pieces are there. You do have to fix the back and then create the energy, the chemistry to be able to also start scoring goals, which we haven't been able to do. Yeah. uh, In my personal opinion, I think Arteta has done a great job in terms of structure and style of play and gives certain roles to each player. Um, I think there have been a, a few players that looked unplayable uh, when Emery was there, and now that they have completely made a 180, like Xhaka, like Maitland-Niles, like Torreira, finally being moved to his correct position. Yeah. Uh, but like the the now like the goal scoring wasn't a problem before, but now it kind of is, and now our defense has actually kind of improved. But now it's like it's like one way or the other. I feel, I feel like that happens every year. Like when uh, uh, when it was still Wenger, uh, I I remember it was like a few seasons back. We had a, a great defense. We had Kashani, Murder, Sacker. They were commanding the back line, and then there are fullbacks from Monreal, who was always consistent, and Bellerin was coming up through the ranks. But then up top, we just had Giroud or Walcott, and they just weren't good. Or Shamak. I don't know. So I think we need to build from the back. I think Leno is a fantastic keeper. Tierney and Bellerin would be will be great when healthy because they're both very injury prone. And then we're bringing in back Saliba, who we signed over the summer, and I think he'll be fantastic in the future. I think we need to partner him with someone, and I think the four two three one is fine. Um, I think we need another box box midfielder next to. Torreira, I do think Xhaka's playing well. I think someone like uh, I've been looking at. Do you know Thomas Party from? Oh, uh, he Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid, box box midfielder. The guy's insane. Um, 
And at center back, there's Upamecano from Leipzig, and he just looks destined to come. I think he's fantastic. He's one of the best center backs in the Bundesliga. And then the wingers, Martinelli looks great. Saka looks great, who's been playing at left back, actually. And then uh, Ozil, I think his time is up, unfortunately. Uh, or fortunately. <laughs> I mean, I, he's my favorite player that that's played in Arsenal for, like, it's it's kind of just like, well, I grew up watching Henri. And then, but, like, more recently, it's kind of like him, Fabregas, Santi Cazorla. Uh, I mean, I would agree with you if Ozil was a consistent player. Yeah. He could be that amazing player. And he had he's had a few seasons in the in the past where he was the best, the most assist, he was the way he was just contributing to the team. But that lack of consistency and what I call on TV when I'm watching and I'm getting frustrated, laziness. Laziness, yeah. I just can't stand that. And so I'm sorry, but I can't back a player like that. Um, he's, he's a great player when he wants to be, mm-hmm. but many times he doesn't show up, and that to me is very frustrating. What are, what are your thoughts on Guanduzi? It's an it's a weird one because like Ganduzi is like he has the potential to become a world class box box midfielder. We saw that we both watched the North London derby together, and he was by far the best player on the pitch. I mean, the guy was just running the show. But then at other times he looks like a headless chicken. Like the guy doesn't know how to, doesn't know his position at times. But he's still really young. Like him, Martinelli, Saka, uh, Saliba, who's gonna come in. Um, we have good youngsters. Emil Smith-Rowe, who's on loan. Uh, I feel like him. Uh, Reese Nelson. Uh, but I feel like with the lineup that we have now, I think we need one or two center backs. I think we need a world-class center back like an Uba McConnell or Koulibaly. I know that's like a stretch, but um, I don't know much about Pablo Mari that we just signed, but it looks like he'd be a solid player. I don't know if we'll re-sign him, uh, um, make the deal permanent, I mean. Um, same with Cedric as a backup right back. Honestly, I find him to be fine because Bellerin's always injured, and I know Maitland-Niles doesn't like to play right back, so I think he's a good backup. Also, we don't know if we'll re-sign him as well. Um, I think we need a center back, world-class center back. We need a box-box midfielder. I think we need that new ten, number 10 instead of Ozil. I think Jack Grealish would be just amazing. Bec- and we could probably get him on a cheap if Aston Villa get relegated, which looks likely. And I think maybe even a left winger um, because I just can't stand watching Aubameyang on the wing. I, I prefer him up top. So let me ask you a few questions. Okay. Do you think Aubameyang will stay at Arsenal? And then my next question is, I know you predicted a um, few years back that Pep should come to Arsenal, and he came. He came. Oh, Pepe, yeah. Yeah, Pepe. So from your perspective, if you had to predict that one player that should be at Arsenal next year. Oh, Open Meccano. Okay. Open Meccano, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, like, I just have this gut feeling that he'll come. I, I don't know why, but we made a bid for him over last summer. And I think it was for like fifty-five million. But now his contract's running out, and there were uh, news that he rejected a new contract offer. And uh, I, uh, Guendouzi was at the, uh, I believe it was the Euro, like the U twenty Euros over the summer, and they were together, or U twenty one or something like. That. But they were they were both on the same team, and they were both like they're both like best friends. 
and then the Guendouzi bought Saliba, and now, like, we're making Arsenal French again, you know, like, back in the day with, like, Nazari Clichy, uh, uh, French-speaking players like Alex Song. But, like, I think I think if there's one player that I feel like is not just both needed, but just good for, like, chemistry, and I just think he will come, and just perfect for the culture, I think is Upa Mekano. I think he'll be great. Is your new tagline, let's make Arsenal French again? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, What about Aubameyang, though? He has to play it. Um, well, I, I honestly think, I think he'll stay. The 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 thing is actually it, it it will it will come down to the summer. I don't think I, I it it's gonna be a fifty fifty. We either sign sign him to a new contract or we sell. I think because um our new like uh, director of football Edu with uh Ralph Sinelli, they said when someone gets to one year left in their contract, we have to make the decision: do we sign him to a new contract or do we sell him because we obviously made a mistake with Ramsey and we ha- he had one year left uh, remaining in his contract and he left for free. We're obviously trying to change that. This is going to be a process. Do I think he's going to sign a new contract or not? I think he will. That's just my, that's my heart, but my head says he's leaving. If he does leave, Timo Werner, like I just mentioned for Liverpool, would be amazing because he's got pace. He's got, uh, I think he's a top scorer in the Bundesliga along with like Lewandowski. The problem is they're like limited players at like at that position. Obamang is world class. He's like our only world class player. So my heart says he'll stay, but my head says he'll leave. What about you? Yeah, I have a similar feeling. I don't want to see him go. Yeah. My son loves Aubameyang, and uh, when he plays and scores, it's just magic to watch. But um, I don't know. I, I, do, I have a feeling he might leave. And yeah. then, like I said, he's not. He's also, been very disappointing. He's been disappointing. I think there's a lack of confidence. He, again, he's another great player. I mean, we chased him for so many years. And yeah, and then we finally got him. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. But then you also signed Pepe. You paid all that money. And I always ask the question, why not? Go bring two world class defenders or whatever you need in the back, and then go sign Pepe. But maybe now that you look at it, if Aubameyang does leave, what we need, we need definitely somebody like Pepe. Yeah, the I think the I think the thing is, if Aubameyang leaves, I honestly think Lacazette will leave as well. And if that somehow happens, um, I think we need to focus on making. Uh, Martinelli and Ketia, those sort of new players to come up the ranks because I think Enketia is ready because Martinelli hundred percent is, but I think Enketia there's a couple uh, stuff he needs to work on. But I did watch him when his first game back after his uh, loan got recalled from Leeds. Uh, he played against Bournemouth in the FA Cup and he looked great. Um, I did he score? Uh, I know Martinelli assisted some. Saka scored. Saka assisted and Katia, yeah, Katia did score. So he's he's one of those guys that like he, um, he's there at the right position. I've I've watched him a few times. He's a really uh, good goal scorer, but if he like if he works on his hold up play, he will become really good. But I just pray that like he works under the tutelage of 
both Arteta and Aubameyang because Aubameyang, the way he just moves without the ball is just world-class. So my final thoughts on that are center-back, box-box midfielder, attacking midfielder, maybe a left-winger, and then just to keep Aubameyang. Um, I think if we do that, I think we'll be in a good position. I did say that coming into this season, like, we got our left back. We got Pepe. We got uh, Ceballos. It was, he's been, I don't know how for how long. Uh, Davalus was a bit, eh. Uh, and then we got Sleeba, but obviously he went out alone. But I loved Tierney and Pepe signings. But I just didn't see the beginning of the season coming. I mean, when you look at this past summer's spending that Arsenal did, which was, I think, amazing compared to the years of Wenger or, you know, I just... I thought, wow, look at us spending like other clubs and we're not being cheap. And then I look at the ad, the results we've had so far, and it just goes back to the point that it's not about how much you spend. It's really about putting the right pieces together. Yeah. And a lot of times as fans, we get attracted to high price signing and names and things of that nature. And it doesn't always work out. And Arsenal is one example of it. Manchester United is another example of that where it, it has not worked. And yeah. it's hard as a fan to not get attracted to those names, but I just hope that the people that are running the club are going to put the right pieces together so we can compete. Because when you compare us versus the top two teams in the league, we are miles, years behind. Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to throw that question to you. If there was one player you would try and look at, who would it be? You mean a new player to come yeah, to Arsenal? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. Honestly. Um, what about position? Yeah, I think for us, a center back is definitely needed mm-hmm. or somebody in that midfield that can bring the ball forward and make something happen. So mm-hmm. that Ozil hasn't done that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, he he could have been that player. It just hasn't been. Yeah. And Jaka, I think with Arteta coming on board and things have improved. Uh, I like what I'm seeing. But again, I don't know if he's the right person either. Um, to me, what is frustrating as an Arsenal fan more than anything else is watching a game and it's a tale of two cities. You have a first half that you play really amazing and second half you don't show up or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I want to see fixed. Um, because how can you go and play a game and sometimes you just, you're just surprised by the lack of interest urgency, commitment, and then the second half is completely different. If you played both halves or majority of the game with that type of commitment, I'm not expecting the entire 90 minutes, I think you would have better results. Yeah. So for me, it's more about form, commitment, putting the right pieces in place, and having a coach who's passionate and ma- make sure that the players are absolutely accountable for their action rather than just bringing somebody new to the team because, again, look at what what we did over the summer and our results have been disappointing at best. Yeah. Well, I mean, today has been rel- relatively busy than I first expected it to be. We have Man City ban. We have Sancho saying that he's probably going to leave. We have Zayek yesterday uh, going to Chelsea. Things are kicking off. 
for next season, even though the first season's not, this season's not even over yet. And uh, we have lots to look forward to. We have, obviously, the Euros coming up in the summer, which I'm very excited for with the different cities that they're going to be attending. Uh, uh, actually, uh, just, a, just a quick prediction. Who do you think is the favorite for that? You know, I was watching some soccer news last night, and I couldn't believe the Euros are coming up. Like, I yeah. wasn't even thinking about them. Yeah. Um, I think maybe this year is going to be Holland. I think so too. That's my prediction too. I think I think it will be uh, either them or France as again because they're the uh, reigning world tra- world champions. Uh, but yeah, Holland they look good. Um, they do lack striker because Memphis Depay tore his ACL and he's like their main guy. I don't know if he'll be ready for the Euros. I I hope he will because he's a very exciting player. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they'll be very fun to watch with like De Jong, De Ligt, Van Dijk, uh, Wijnaldum, Bergevin, who just signed for Tottenham, who scored on his debut. Uh, Promes, I think Ryan Bobble somehow still on that team. But yeah. Um, and I'm finding myself actually paying attention to some of the other leagues as well. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, if it's Serie A, there's a fantastic game this weekend between Inter and Lazio. Yep. I mean, that's a game to watch. Um, I actually watch. I've watched a couple like inter games, and even when I, I actually one of the games I watched, a lot of players were injured. Latour Martino, who's like one of their best players, Brozovic was out. Uh, I think it was like literally just like Lukaku. I think it was like Ericsson's debut as well. They have a nice team building. It's kind of similar to how Conte built the Chelsea team when the, he was in the Premier League. But yeah, I I I, I recently watched the Leipzig Bayern game. It was nil nil, but it was an exciting nil nil. Um, so uh, yeah, it, 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 I always want to try and like broaden my horizons. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that's basically it. I mean, we have the Champions League finally coming up this coming week. I'm very excited to watch, uh, those games, uh, Europa League, not so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm definitely going to watch the Olympiacos Arsenal game. That's kind of, that's kind of like the one where like, because uh, like, I'm going to uh, try and make this short, but like you, uh, I have the same feeling. Like when we go out and play in the Premier League and we draw, like we've always been doing the past few months, I'm I'm like I'm not like that upset. I'm like, well, that's basically it. we. I mean, the I feel like I feel like my mind's already saying we should just go out and try and win the Europa League and forget that the Premier League even happened because honestly. Even if we miss out, we could still potentially even miss out on the Europa League, let alone the Champions League. And honestly, that actually might be a blessing in disguise because we'll like play less games, less competitions, more focus on the Premier League next season. So I think that might help because now I think we'll, we should just put our focus on the Europa League, which is coming up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting news. But uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, it was very fun. Uh, I haven't had these sort of talks in a very long time. Uh, last time I, I brought in, uh, if you listened, we, we brought in Joseph and we sort of just brought, uh, uh, we had like our, a world cup experience that like when, we, when we went there, uh, and like Bundesliga, but this was like strictly Premier league, which I, I love talking about. So thank you for coming. No, thank you very much for having me. I've never done this before, but love to talk about, um, my, one of my favorite teams, Arsenal. And, you know, you're so knowledgeable when it comes to this space. Um, I'm always blown by how much you know about all the players, all the positions, and everything that's going on around the league. So thank you very much for having me.
And thank you. And uh, and we're both also in the same fantasy league. Um, how's that going? Uh, not, <laughs> not so well. Um, I let m- my son kind of run with it. Yeah. And um, and now he's doing his fantasy hockey as well. Oh I'm really? Sure I've never tried that. Yeah. No. He he he's very much into fantasy hockey, and he's really doing well in that as well. But he's I don't think he's paying too much attention. So I might have to start taking over yeah. that. But also, I think it might be a little too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but our drafts are always so fun to have. Uh, it, it's, like, really cool to see, like, new signings like Sayek, hopefully like uh, Sancho, and, like, uh, our old reliables, kind of. Um, but, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you again. Um, I don't know when our next episode will be, but obviously we're having these different kinds of episodes, uh, you know, uh, before 2020, it was just kind of like me and Reza, we give the preview, we uh, talk about what the games happened, but now it's sort of like kind of different. Like we uh, we uh, talked to Bobby and Sean, we gave like Champions League predictions, and then we brought in like experience with Joseph and uh, different leagues. I, that's kind of what I want to focus on. And today, again, uh, sort of just giving, giving our own opinions on like our club and like the breaking news that are happening. So trying something uh, new every day so uh let's keep that up hopefully uh i believe um reza will be coming back uh in march uh and we'll get back to our uh regular duo i guess regular intro person because i never do the intros uh but uh thank you guys for listening uh if you want to check out other places for uh for you to listen the podcast uh you can check out Apple Podcasts, um, Box to Box Podcasts. You can give a rate and review. Uh, please uh, do that. Um, we are, I believe, on 50 ratings, and all of them have been five stars. So thank you very much. Uh, you can also listen on Spotify, uh, and you can also listen on SoundCloud. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you, Amy, for coming again. I know I've said that already like five times, but uh, this is finally the end of the episode, and this has been episode 36 We'll see you in episode 37.